Hi, dreamers. This is Lucy, and welcome to another episode of the Self Made Expats with Lucy Jan, where I interview expats from all across the globe to share their inspiring and motivating stories. Today, I'm here with Jonathan Moore, who is a tech enthusiast and entrepreneur based in South Korea. Jonathan was born and raised in Texas, and in 2006, he moved to South Korea. So it's been almost 16 years. So he's seen a lot of remarkable things in the startup scene, and we're going to talk about it in detail during our interview, which I'm super excited about. But just to give you a quick summary, at his first two startups, they raised $30 million in VC funds and acquired millions of customers. He obviously has expertise in global marketing, pitching, and everything that goes into building a successful startup. And now with his in-depth knowledge, he helps other startups do the same. And his team manages and develops accelerated programs, pitch competitions, open innovation projects, and so many more. So I've been following Jonathan for a while on internet, and I always wanted to have him on a show. So I'm super excited that day, that, that, that day has come today. So welcome to the show, Jonathan. So happy to have you here today with us. Yeah, no, thanks for inviting me. Um, you know, that, um, I'm impressed with all the interviews you do. So uh, yeah, thanks. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Okay. I've got a lot of questions for you, but uh, first, I am genuinely amazed at your career. So you're currently, you know, currently you are the chief innovation officer at PowerPT, a startup mentor and entrepreneur in residence at Techstar, a co-founder and advisor at Revoras, and also you are the host of Podium Star. Soul Pitch Day and Sass Stock Soul. I mean, how do you do it all? Like, how do you manage your time? Any tips on time management and productivity skills? You know, I wish I had uh, great feedback here, but I'm pretty <laughs> bad at time management myself. Um, you know, I to be honest, most of those things are really just minimal effort, you know, part-time things that I just do every once in a while. So my full-time job is uh, my uh, I'm chief innovation officer at PowerPT, um, which is a organization agency here in Korea uh, that supports startups. Um, and so that's really my full-time thing. The other things are really much just side projects where maybe once a month I look into it. I spend a day or two a, a month really on them. So I'm not doing all these things on a day-to-day basis. Um you know, mentoring startups, it depends on the season. Sometimes I'll just mentor one or two startups uh, in a week in my evening hours or on the weekends, um, which I, I consider like a volunteer type of thing. Um, but sometimes there's an event that people want me to do and, you know, I'll spend a little time doing that. But it's, it's reasonable. Um, and yes, I probably do give up some of my personal social life doing some <laughs> of these things. But I... I am a firm believer in you get out what you put in. So Hmm. if I wasn't doing any of this stuff, yeah, I may have more time to myself, but I enjoy doing it, to be honest. I like being involved in the startup ecosystem. Um, So I like keeping myself busy, but I still, don't get me wrong, I still have a lot of free time enough to like watch Netflix and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) We all need that time. But like, I'm just really genuinely, really amazed. Like, you know, you're doing so many things and so many amazing things and the good thing is like everything that you do is so aligned it's not like you're doing one thing and that is like totally different from one another everything is very aligned with uh, the core thing that you do so maybe that makes your i don't know i guess that makes your time management is a bit easier i don't know yeah i mean they all seem to kind of like fit together so Mm. they're all related if i'm doing something you know if i'm doing a pitch event helping startups raise money then I might be able to use those same people that I've met at a different event or maybe uh, someone I'm mentoring. I can, I can, you know, introduce them to somebody else or it's it's all like a community, this ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So I think the more people who network and 
just spend time within the ecosystem, they'll see the value of working with several different organizations and how we can help each other. So by being involved with all these organizations and companies, I'm able to connect people together and, you know, kind of be that connector, I guess, in some ways. That's something that I enjoy doing. Um, so just knowing what's going on in different uh, organizations, I'm, I'm able to do that. So yeah, they are somewhat connected. Um, but yeah, I like it at the end of the day. That's why I do it. Yeah, of course. You got to like what you do, right? I mean, right, yeah. Right. And, and yeah, most of these things are, you know, they're not paid. A lot of them are volunteer. Uh, mentoring is always, is always volunteering. Um, SAS talk, it's just an event that I'm volunteering, you know, one event per quarter. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, but being an advisor, you do have to put in some some hours per month um, when you advise a startup. So some of these things, yeah, I do maybe have some ownership or get some some stuff on the side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna get back to that. Like a lot of questions regarding startup scene, but uh, first, I I, I definitely want to talk about your journey from. Texas to South Korea. Um, right. So you moved to <laughs> so you moved to South Korea in 2006 from Texas, which, by the way, I am a huge fan of Texas. Um, so why Korea, and what brought you here? That, that's a good question. I mean, this is the question that I guess everyone asks, right? Especially Koreans when I first meet them, they're like, "Why did you come to Korea?" And of course, mm-hmm. my American friends are like, "Yeah, why? Why did you go to Korea?" Um, even when I made the decision back, you know, when I was still in university, people were like, they, they didn't take me seriously. Like, you're going to Korea? No, no what are you doing? <laughs> so, so let me give the story. Um, so I was, my major was uh, Spanish and English linguistics. That's what I studied. So I've always loved languages. I've loved you know, how they work. And in my last semester, I took a course. It was a graduate level course. And my professor, she... Um, used to be a professor in Japan. And uh, I had told her that I wanted to go live in South America because I wanted to you know, practice my Spanish a little bit. And she was saying, no, 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 no. You need to go to Asia. <laughs> this is the future. I'm telling you, you know, she's 15 years and she was telling me how East Asia was the future of the world and, you know, everything. And so she was telling me, go there and teach English for a year. Um, and I had never really thought about this. I never thought about this as a career or anything, but she was strongly recommending it. And I thought, you know what, that could be like my gap year, something before I start my career, I'll go and experience another culture. I had never been to Asia before, but I had been to Europe and Africa and South America. Um, so I thought, yeah, I, I took her advice. I started looking into this. Um, I, I was Googling, you know, Google definitely was still there in 2006. <laughs> I started researching at the end of 2005, actually, and I kind of narrowed it down to a few countries. And so what made me choose Korea was a few things. Um, first of all, uh, I thought the language was really interesting. The fact that Hangul, you can learn how to read it within a few days. Um, oh. it's, it's phonetic. And yeah, so... My friends, so people who don't know Korean, if they're listening, they may not realize this, that, you know, Chinese characters, yeah, those are characters. But Korean, they're not characters. They're actually letters. It's, mm. it's, they're phonemes. And so you can literally learn how to read in a few hours. Uh, there's many people who have learned how to read Korean in a few hours or a few days. And when I realized that, I thought, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. If I go there for one year, I could at least learn enough so I could, you know, in a bar, I could impress someone. Yeah, right? if yeah I got exactly. exactly. For a year, if I learned Chinese for a year, I'm not sure what I could actually learn mm, in that time. Yeah. Korean, everyone says you can learn it in a few days. So um, that was really interesting to me as a linguist. And then, of course, also a few other reasons. Uh, my cousin actually married uh, a girl who's, who's half Korean. And there was some, you know, there was also a Korean friend I had in high school. So there was all these things pointing like, yeah, I know more about I have more connections to Korea. Mm. I, I didn't know anything about the country at the time. I knew nothing. Mm. Um, and that's why I chose Korea. Um, so it was pretty random, but I was pretty happy with my decision. I came and I taught English for a year. Um, and I liked it. it. It wasn't something that I was 
I thought my career would be, you know, teaching, mm-hmm. but I liked being able to use my kind of linguistic background and English background and, you know, language acquisition background to, to teach other people. Um, you know, one of my final classes uh, in my degree, I had to do this for Spanish, native Spanish speakers. So it was different doing it for native Korean speakers, but I thought it was um, just a really cool way of starting my career. Um, and it was, you know, it was a pretty chill type of job. You know, I was like 22, 23 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, there's not much yet to prepare for. So it was a great little first time experience. And I ended up that one year ended up turning into several years. Um, and I did that uh, total for five years, um, wow. teaching, and creating curriculum. Um, and I really liked it. But at the end of the day, after after several years, I realized this is not my my strong passion. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoyed doing it, but I knew it was, it was not my future. So I ended up leaving Korea and going back home. Oh, you um, left Korea and went back home. I actually left twice uh, after the oh first gosh, year. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Okay. But after one year, I went because I thought, okay, one year. But then I came back after a few months because my friends were like, hey, come back. There's this great opportunity. Let's work together. So I did. And, but after five years, I, I had, you know, I decided, you know, this, I need to start my professional career. Um, you know, I don't want to just waste my time doing this fun stuff because for me, it was just fun, um, mm-hmm. a fun job. Um, anyway, so I came back to Korea um, just um, because of a relationship. And when I came back, I wasn't expecting to, get into the business scene. I wasn't expecting mm-hmm. anything to happen. But for some reason, I met my future co-founder um, who was giving a pitch on this company. And, you know, he was looking for a co-founder and it was an, it was an ed tech startup, right? Creating an application to teach languages, very similar to Duolingo, but also different. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, this is interesting. You know, I actually, I love education. I love languages and I was and I, I've always loved technology and so I thought this was a really cool experience and opportunity for me so I, I joined the team um, early on and it was it was stuff I loved doing we, we, we started with uh, English we moved on to Spanish and Chinese um, and our, our main market was Asia so Korea Japan Taiwan mainland China Hong Kong and uh, we, we expanded operations uh, even into Silicon Valley and to South America or Central America, sorry. And um, yeah, it, it was just a fun experience. I, I love working in that industry. Um, of course, I was learning new skills at the same time, how to uh, market a product, how, to, how can we raise funding from these investors and how do we build a good team? How do we do operations? How do we execute? Right. So I was learning on the job, which a startup really is perfect for that, because when, when I joined the team early on, it was just about six people um, when I came on as a co-founder. And then, you know, we ended up having 20 something people. Uh, and, you know, it was just uh, a really fun experience at the same time, very educational. You know, you learn a lot from every failure you make. You will never forget that, I think. And so that, that is basically how I, that was a long wow. answer probably. So yeah. Love your answer. There are a lot of things to unpack, but, uh, but love your answer. But first of all, I think uh, your professor uh, basically changed your life, I guess. Uh, you know, if you didn't. I, mean, me- <laughs> I, I never even considered this this whole thing. And then she put it in my head. And I, again, I thought it was going to be one year, just one year. And, um, you know, as I've explained, it turned into something much, much more. So it was just being in the right place at the right time. Um, and and when people were asking me like, you know, why Korea, my friends in America didn't know even what Korea really was. Um, Mm -hmm. they, they, they've heard the word, they've heard the country, but they didn't know where it was on a map. Um, I think they probably didn't know the difference of Korea and Vietnam and Cambodia. You know, it's just an Asian country. And, you know, this is way before K-pop went mainstream. You know, this is before it, it, was, it was already existing in, in, in Korea, but outside Korea, it mm-hmm. was not a phenomenon, right? It was, yeah, there was no K-dramas that were popular. 
maybe it was in Asia, but not really in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. K-pop was not big. So no one really knew anything about Korean culture at all. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why people kept asking me, you majored in Spanish and you're going to Korea <laughs> to teach English. That makes no sense. But I find it so cool. And then now, like, you know, knowing that you studied Spanish and English linguistics and that you have passion for learning foreign languages and um, and education, it totally makes sense. I mean, it's a, you know, and also, you know, you mentioned that you love like education and stuff like that. And even though right now uh, you're not teaching languages per se, but you're mentoring startups that's kind of like education right so you're very aligned with your core i don't know desire or purpose of living i don't know (laughs) i guess i really do like educating people in some in some way and you know um that's a good point i used to used to be teaching a language now it's turned into teaching how to create a business or how to you know um whatever they need to do to grow their business so i am still teaching in a way you know even um I just finished giving a lecture, you know, a couple hours ago on how to fundraise, uh, you know, outside of Korea. So, there, you know, if I'm giving a lecture, if I'm doing consulting, it is a type of education, I guess, at the end Mm -hmm. of the day. Yeah. So, absolutely. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now, like you mentioned that you've been teaching uh, for five years or so, and then, uh, and you left uh, Korea for Texas and you came back and then just like coincidentally you joined this ad tech company and then from there I guess you you kind of like transitioned from teaching languages to I guess like tech startup scene per se yeah right um yeah I guess I kind of went a little overboard with that first answer but yeah I I, I ended up transitioning um because I knew I wanted to get in, involved in business mm-hmm. um you know, my dad's been doing marketing um, all his career. And I've always been exposed to it in some way. And so I knew I wanted to do something with business. Um, and I just didn't know what exactly. So whenever this kind of fell into my lap, I had this kind of epiphany, like, oh, wow, I can, I can combine my background or, you know, with, with education here with business, and I can actually do something super interesting, you know, business technology and education all in one. And so that's really, um, how I transitioned, you know, from education to the startup scene. And I, I didn't, at the time, I didn't realize that's what it was. I just mm-hmm. thought, oh, I'm going to join this company and, you know, work on this thing. And again, I didn't have high expectations. It was a company of like six people. Mm-hmm. I didn't know we were going to grow so big and I didn't know um, of, of the future success and, and everything. I, and I didn't know then I would be so involved still with startups at a different level. Like I am now. Yeah. Yeah, so it's exactly. Just, it kind of just happened naturally. I did not plan my career like this. It's mm. just how what life has brought to me. Mm-hmm. Super interesting. Yeah. So, uh, so back to Korea conversation. <laughs> so, so you you know you left Korea f- twice, and you know I guess you're you're destined to live in Korea I guess but uh it's been over a decade like 16 years that's a long time um so what do you like the most about Korea and when do you miss Texas the most um good question so you know no matter where you live there's gonna be um the positives and negatives you know the good the bad um there's so many things I like about Korea. It's hard to say what's what I like the most, but I would narrow it down to three things. Um, first of all, the people, like my, my, my personal network and friends, that's the only reason I probably stayed so long. If mm. I didn't have close friendships, um, then there'd be no reason for me. I wouldn't be satisfied on a personal level. So having that personal satisfaction is really important. Um, two, of course, I've stayed so long just because of uh, my network here, my professional network, and that keeps me here. Um, mm. As far as what I love the most, it's probably got to be a combination of food and, oh. yeah, I mean, who 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 have you met who doesn't like their own food, to be honest? Um, and then also the convenience. And I think that's what most mm. Korean people say. You know, why do you like Korea? What, what, what do you love so much about your own country? They're going to say, ah. Oh, you know, it's so comfortable. Oh my God, so your convenient. Korean is so good. 
one word. <laughs> now, now that makes you very Korean. You know, someone says, "Oh, 안녕하세요," and they say, "Oh, 너무 잘하시네요." Just from saying one word. But your pronunciation is so good, so clear. Well, I mean, if if I lived here for a long time, so I don't think it's that impressive at, at anymore. But but thank you. Um, <sighs> you know, it's it, it's it is so convenient, though, right? I mean, yeah. you know what I mean, because you live here too, right? Delivery is always within a day, you know, or two. Yeah, you can get anything delivered. Everything's fast. Um, there's there's so many conveniences being in in Korea. Um, where I've, I've gotten used to it now. And so whenever I leave Korea on a business trip or I'm like, my gosh, why are things taking so long? You yeah. Know, getting, getting out a banner or a, a brochure takes like, you know, one or two weeks, you know, in mm. other places as in Korea, you can get that next day anywhere. Mm. Same day mm. is also possible. Next day is at least possible, right? So there's so many conveniences, you know, getting food delivered. That was popular in Korea before it was popular anywhere else. Um, you know, all these things that, uh, you know, the internet and being able to get a connection anywhere, even if you're on a mountain or, you know, seven, yeah. you, know, mm. seven, you, know, you can always get like a strong internet connection. All these small things come together and it's just so convenient. You know, food is cheap. Taxis are cheap. Uh, you know, I mean, comparatively of other places. So, um, it's just, it's just very convenient. And, and I, like I said, I love the food and not just Korean food. There's, there's a very good foreign food scene mm -hmm. here in Korea that didn't exist when I first came. When I first came, the best burger you could get, for example, would be Krause Burger. I'm not sure if you remember them. Oh, Krause Burger. Oh, That's my God. I remember. At the time, wow. that was probably the best you could get. Yeah. To be oh, honest, my God. It wasn't that good, though. It wasn't that good, but it was oh the best gosh. one. Um, yeah. And... You know, even McDonald's didn't offer a full menu. It wasn't, they didn't have a quarter pounder with cheese, which is my favorite if I'm going to McDonald's. <laughs> That's why I remember this because they didn't have it. But now, I mean, oh, not, only, not, only, not only is Krause Burger gone and McDonald's does have the quarter mm. pounder, but there's so many amazing like Sujebogo, like type of restaurants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that are Korean. But these are there are some guys who have lived abroad and they're bringing it back to Korea and making it even better. I know. So I, some of my favorite burgers in the whole world are probably here in Korea. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, they use like Korean beef, which if people don't aren't familiar, it's it's like wagyu pretty much. It's very very good and high quality and marbled. Um, imagine making a burger with the best meat quality, and you know, it's just I know I'm talking about burgers, but there's so many other <laughs> foods. That um, if you talk to any expats in Korea, they'll tell you the same thing if they've been here for mm -hmm. more than 10 years. The food scene has really, really went up. Um, whereas, you know, bread and cheese and meats um, used to be very hard to find or not much variety. Now you can find a lot of those conveniences that you might easily can find in, in Europe or the U.S. You can now find them a lot in Korea. Um, so foreign food is, is easier to find and uh, the really amazing quality of the, of that. So it's really comfortable as well as a foreigner to be able to, um, find food that I miss from back home. Right. Yeah. So, um, that was a long answer. Uh, you, you also asked me what I miss the most <laughs> about that. Right. Um, if you can't tell, I like food a lot. Yeah. So, I, I, I noticed that <laughs> and burger. <laughs> I tend to get on a little rant about food. But um, yeah, I'm definitely a foodie. What I miss the most about home is, you know, it's it's the same thing I like the most about Korea. It's it's the people and food. Mm. So what I miss the most is number one, family and friends, and number yeah. two, the food that I can't get here. Um, so it's it's really much intertwined, right? What do I love about Korea? People and food. What yeah. do I miss about Texas? So that's the most important thing to me, I guess, personally. Yeah, I guess those are the most important thing to you, food and people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and it combines, you know, I love meeting my friends, my network over a good meal. So that's like my, I guess my favorite activity. I never really thought about that, but there yeah. you go. With my favorite people, that is, um, I guess I'm passionate about that, you know, combining those yeah. together. And I remember like earlier conversation, like you mentioned that you are a connector, uh, something like that. And I guess like you're a very people person like you enjoy meeting people and then people are very a huge part of like you your happiness even i don't know 
what, what do you what do you think i i think you're right i mean i i am you know satisfied with my um my relationships and my network and that it really does drive my happiness i think um mm. when i was younger i never would have considered myself as a people person or like super outgoing but as i've um grown in my career i have started to become that kind of person right um when i even when i first came to korea i was quite shy um i still am shy in certain ways but i have because of my career because of my job i've had to go on stages i've had to present and that has kind of brought this kind of you know mm-hmm. um you unleash I'm, your inner <laughs> yeah i become more of an extrovert just because mm-hmm. of my experience and oh. but I, i do love people and i you know i like i like having conversations with new people and um yeah So I'm very much a people person. That's the, that's yeah. the short answer. Yes. That's um yeah, that's great to hear that. Well, yeah. People and food. I'll 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 keep that in mind. <laughs> Jonathan, yeah, so people and food. To, yeah, so if you're coming to Seoul, let me know and and we'll have a meal or if I'm going if I'm in Daegu because I think you said you're in Daegu, right? Yes. If you're in yes. Daegu, you have to tell me. We'll have to meet up for a meal or you have to tell me like recommends food and stuff. So, we're, we're, yeah. Yeah. I mean probably you know the best burger place than me i guess so we we'll, oh. we'll grab a burger in seoul I, i i definitely know more than you no not yeah. to be arrogant, no no no, no, I, no you definitely know I more very, than i have a very strong opinion on this subject and um <laughs> i think i mean yeah bur- yeah other food too but burgers i am very passionate about burgers <laughs> typical american <laughs> but yeah i could talk about for another hour, so yeah i'll follow your lead Gotcha. Right. <laughs> okay, so uh, now uh, back to um, your uh, kind of like I've got some questions regarding like startup scene and those career related kind of questions. Um, yeah, so like, you were obviously a co-founder, um, and you definitely did a you know startup journey yourself. So yeah. I'm curious, what are some common mistakes? Uh, that you see a lot of stars tend to make and also what you learned from your own startup journey. Um, wow. Yeah. There's, there's, like I said, there's always lessons to be learned, um, especially when, when there's failures, but even in the successes, so you want to repeat those, um, you know, from my own startup and also from those around me, I can tell you what, what I've learned. So first of all, it's always important to partner with the right people. I, I see many startups around me who don't have a co-founder. They're just a single mm-hmm. founder. And I, I really think that's the wrong way for most companies. Now, that may not be the right solution for everyone, but um, having co-founders who can bring more to the table is just such a great idea. Putting all the stress and pressure on one person just doesn't make sense for me. And um, it's also harder to get investment. You know, it's, it's, it's a higher risk for investors. So having people you trust to partner with, whether it's two, three, four people, I think one, it lowers the risk. Um, you're able to, and number two, you're able to pull all your skills together and to really strengthen your business. As long as you all share the same vision, then this is the best way. So that's a common mistake. Number one is just people tend to work by themselves, mm-hmm. um, they hire people, but they don't bring them on as a co-founder. And I think that's a mistake. They might be thinking, oh, well, that's because I want all the equity for myself. But they don't realize the chance of success is much lower. So mm-hmm. would, you rather have, would you rather own 100% of the company, but it fail and you get nothing? Or would you rather own 20 to 40% of the company, but you succeed and that actually has monetary value, right? Mm-hmm. It makes much more sense to take money from your successful exit versus getting zero from a failure. Mm-hmm. Um having a partner is really important, especially when you're living abroad um, in a country like Korea. I think it's vital to have a partner who is a local. Um, you could be living here. I, you could be me living here for 15 years. And I still think you need to have a local partner. Like um, Korean, there's just like local Korean. Korean. Exactly. You need mm-hmm. to have a Korean. Now, again, I know people who don't have that and that's fine, but I think it's important Um, I mean, not only for paperwork and legal issues and administrative things, but you'll have certain benefits having a Korean on board. 
Um, and even if you've lived here for 20, 30 years, I, you could know a lot about Korean culture um, mm-hmm. and a lot about Korean mindset. It's still not the same as actually yeah. being Korean and totally understanding uh, Korean customers from that point of view. So you can have really good educated guesses and you can actually be right a lot of the time. But I think mm-hmm. having an actual Korean is always going to be very powerful. And not every country will need to have a local partner. Right. I think if you're in the U.S., you know, U.S. is very diverse. So mm-hmm. having a founder from a different background is is from any background is fine because mm-hmm. you're not appealing to just one type of person. But Korea is so, you know, it's it's homogenous. So everyone is Korean yeah. and it limits some of the diversity. And so having someone who comes from that background is going to be very valuable. Right. Mm-hmm. So so I think having a partnership, uh, having a partner is great. Other common mistakes, um, you know, a lot of startups, they start to think about the product first. So they have an mm. idea, build this, you know, and they have some idea for a product. And that's not really the best way to start a company. It's not from mm. the product. Really on uh, what problem can you solve? Mm-hmm. That's how you start a company. You have to figure out what is something that everyone um can feel what, what's a problem that everyone can feel or everyone experiences and when you look at past startup successes you can see the problem in the market so before uber you know it's and when you're living in a big city how do you get a taxi i don't even remember how i got a taxi before yeah. <laughs> how taxi uber any of these competitors you had to literally go outside and just wait for a taxi to come mm-hmm. and in some areas of the city that's fine but in some places you know, it's very, very difficult uh, to see one, especially if you're from a smaller town. So, you know, thinking of the of, thinking of this from a problem uh, perspective, okay, what what's something we all have a challenge with is just is much better. So, um, I thought, are you going to ask me a question? Yeah. <laughs> go ahead before I go into the next part. No, that that. Um... Okay, so uh, you the regarding products. So what if, what if um, you know everyday life? You know you mentioned about Uber and these things. And then what if I think, oh yeah, I think there's a problem. Oh, like you know inconvenience per se that I and many people experience. But what if that thing is not something that I'm very interested in? I know that it's it probably can bring some revenues or it, it could be lucrative business idea per se but what if i'm not super super passionate about you know working on things because you know building startup is very hard should should someone still follow that path or rather follow a path that someone is more passionate about yeah i think you have to be passionate about it i i I do um and Mm. and maybe your passion is just making the money right that could yeah that's actually true yeah you could say okay this is a big problem. It's kind of boring, but if you believe you can actually solve that problem, mm-hmm. I think even if yeah. it's not like they call it like a sexy business, even if it's kind of a boring business, mm-hmm. that still interests you and you know it make you passionate on that subject because you know you can fulfill this need uh, mm-hmm. for people. And I think a lot of the best founders they have they have that same line of, of thought. They they feel you know what this is a problem. And it needs to be solved. Even if it's boring, this needs mm. to be solved. I can do it. And I think those make the best founders. If, if you think, ah, good idea, but boring, then you're probably not going to be working on that project, mm, right? Mm, mm, mm. Have those entrepreneurship genes in them who always want to create their own business. I think they'll be, anything, will, anything with like a good opportunity will make them um, interested in working on it. Right. Wow. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, but, but to go back to the problem part, I, I know startups, many of them who they start from the solution. I, I remember one company I worked with several years ago and hopefully they're not listening to this, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> they, they created this technology. They mm-hmm. all come, came from like a really technical background. They had PhDs and advanced materials mm-hmm. um, from major universities around the world. I mean, from Korea and from the U.S., like top universities. Wow. And they knew a lot about materials. Um, and they had made this technology 
this device that has the strong vibration. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they were saying, we're going to, um, this is our product. We're going to put this in a smartwatch or we can put this in your phone and it can make the phone have a stronger vibration or your watch can have stronger vibration. It's better than anything else, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, okay, all right, I understand what your product is, but why are you making it? What's the mm. need in the market? And they couldn't answer the question. They didn't mm. really, they didn't realize they had to answer that question. But this is important because if you're merely making a product and nobody's asking for it, nobody's wanting it, yeah, that's a problem because that means no one will buy it and nobody will invest in it. Just having a better technology does not mean you'll have a better, you'll have a success. Mm-hmm. So. Course they failed they they pivoted a few times you know they put it in a watch they put it in a phone and the thing is no one's requesting this no one's saying yeah. we need a stronger vibration but they spent I know, millions yeah. of dollars. i mean they, they did get investment from someone and they spent a lot of time and money building this whereas they should have thought what problem are we solving what problem can we solve mm. um a lot of people think in this way um, maybe on the technical side, especially people on technical with technical mm-hmm. backgrounds. Feel, yeah, I can make this thing. I can make this. But people from a business background, they might understand more about what I'm talking about and feel mm-hmm. like there needs to be an actual need in the market. Um, you know, many people complain about long distance relationships. So mm-hmm. because of that, people actually do make these kind of watches where you can kind of touch it and you can feel each other's vibration. I'm not sure if you've heard about those, but there's many, really, I think, I, I, you know, it doesn't sound very foreign. So probably I heard of it, heard of it somewhere, but does, does, does it exist? It does. Cause I actually know a friend who uses it. So he's oh, like, wow. okay, whenever I, whenever I press this, my girlfriend can immediately feel it on her wrist, even though she's thousands of miles away. So it, it's like, we can feel we're thinking about each other. Um, and that actually, that actually makes sense because especially during COVID, many mm-hmm, people, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean, you know, romantic relationships. It could be family as well. People are separated and, you know, it's just a way to let someone know you're thinking about them. Now, if that company had thought of this years ago, yeah. they, could, they could make something interesting. But again, they were only focused on the technology and the solution and the features of what it can do, mm-hmm. whether and thinking, why is this necessary? You know? Mm. Um, so, yeah. Th- th- those are, I-, I won't get into any more, but I think those are two common mistakes uh, startups make. They-, they don't have product market fit, which is that whole thing I just mentioned. Mm. Uh, like we call it product market fit. And two, um, they don't partner with the right people or they don't partner with anyone at a- on a high level. Mm-hmm. Wow. Thank you. This is a masterclass by Jonathan. I'm so honored. <laughs> well, I mean, but to, to many people who are in the startup scene, they're gonna they're gonna know this is pretty basic kind of um, um, advice. Uh, okay. But it's necessary for people who don't who are new to it. But people who mm-hmm. are in the scene, I think this will probably come as, oh yeah, we already we already know this. You know, every accelerator they tell us the same thing. Um, so it is basic, but it's something that people need to remember because yeah. even though you own it, I, I, I know many people who know the, who know this already, but still make the same mistakes. Yeah. So you have to kind of exactly. always listen. To that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True. Okay. Um, and, um, and now with your kind of like your expertise in, uh, in this startup scene, you know, your marketing and pitching and all those things, and that you're helping, as you mentioned, other startups to, you know, with, you know, global marketing, pitching, raising VC funds, receiving investment and so on. And um, I, I we touched upon a little bit about this. You're very passionate about education and helping people as well. But is there any, like, what, what drives you to be in this business, if there is any? <laughs> um, I think it just comes down to helping people, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I said, I like people and I like, um, you know, I, I had some success in my previous company and I, I want to be able to take that and, you know, help others with that as well. I think that makes me feel good. Um, like I said, I think we all have that kind of inside of us as humans. 
Um, when we help other people, it makes us feel good. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a kind of human kind of um, what makes us human, right? Um, but I, I really love the startup scene. I love learning about different companies. You know, when I'm mm-hmm. consulting a startup, um, and, and I, I do lots of consulting projects. So there are days, there are weeks where I meet, I might meet um, 20 or 30 companies in one week. Oh, and it's wow. so exciting. Yeah, it's so exciting because I get to know and, and learn about so many new state-of-the-art technologies and solutions. And, you know, some of them are not great, but some of them are really amazing. And to me, as a technology enthusiast, that is like a dream, right? I can learn about all these things years before they enter the market, years before pe- other people know about them. Um, and so I love you know, just being around these new technologies and helping them, hopefully I'm helping them, right, to to go in the market, to expand globally. Um, and so a lot of times I believe in their products so much where I want to help them. And I can't help but want to help them because I want to create a better world. Just I think we all want a better world for the future. And mm-hmm. when I believe in a product so much and I, and I believe in, uh, you know, technology so much that I, I just want to see it succeed, um, you know. And being in Korea, most of the startups I work with are Korean, right? 90% are Korean, 10% probably are not Korean. Um, they could be from Singapore or Europe or the US. And, but, 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 you know, the Korean startups have a problem with not being heard, not being seen, the mm. lack of awareness. And a lot of that is because of a lack of English skills or, you know, people can't find them because... They have a website in Korean. They have their mm. all their social medias in Korean, and they may not have the best English, um, which is a shame because there are some amazing products here, amazing companies that people won't know about. And so I, I, I kind of see it as my mission to introduce that to the world a little bit. Mm. You know, Korea has so much. Me living here for so long, I feel like Korea has given so much to me. Where I want to tell the other places in the world, like guys. You have to look into this. You have to look at Korea. You really need to look at these amazing founders and startups based here. Um, because if you ignore them, who knows? They, you know, they may not, this may not happen. It may not exist. So I'm just trying to do my part to kind of give back. And also, um, I don't know. I'm just passionate about it. <laughs> wow. I mean, like, honestly, you are probably one of a very few people that I came across that who are very purpose-driven, like, really. You know, like, um, how to say? Like, you're, like, you're, yeah. It's, like, everything that you do is, uh, have done, like, after university and teaching English from, from there to even now, like, everything that you do is very interconnected. And also, like, when you talk about, like, you love, like, helping startups and you want to give back and all those things, like, your eyes are shining. And, um, and uh, yeah, I can really genuinely feel that you're very, like, purpose-driven. And then you're, yeah, I mean, um, wow, this is great. I mean, like, <laughs> I'm inspired. <laughs> I never even thought about that. as my, You know, I never thought about myself like that. Um, if that's the reality, then I guess that's the reality. I'm just, I'm just answering the questions. Um, but but I, you know, obviously, I do love you know this country, um, and I love everything that's given to me. I, at the same time, I'm not a Korea boo. You know, someone if you know what that is, you know, people who just follow Korean drama and stuff. And oh, that's just, Korea boo. You called? I I didn't know that. All Korea boos, people who just they they're obsessed with like the culture and the and the uh, the music and the movies and oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 i want to move to korea to like marry a korean and like all the, i'm like that is not me at all like i'm here <laughs> you know to me those people are kind of cringy we're kind of like <laughs> you know uh, they see a few dramas and they think it's the perfect utopia and and i'm like that, that it's not that that korea is not the perfect utopia that dramas mm-hmm. you know showing yeah, any it's drama not like drama <laughs> Exactly. But so many people don't realize that. I mean, people think the same thing about America, too. They might watch a few movies and think, wow, their parties are amazing. I right? thought that. Everyone, I, I'm, I was the one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Living in Korea, everyone always asked me when I was uh, in the beginning, they would say, so is it true you have all these house parties? 
And yeah, that actually is yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, have- <laughs> but, but it's not like the same as movies. It's not oh as that's gosh. very generated, right? Um, it, and not every person from the UK is this perfect gentleman, right? There's all this. <laughs> Open the doors for us. <laughs> exactly. Well, to be honest, I, I do think we. In the West, we do open the doors all, yeah. you know, more than in Asia. Um, but you know, it's you know, I'm not here for the stereotypical reasons. You know, I, I came here before, like I mentioned before, before K-pop was a thing. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, uh, I guess I came before it got big, and um, I, I like it for I like Korea for Korea, not for just the recent five yeah. to ten years of success. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've got a couple more questions. <laughs> Hope that's okay. Um, uh, one question that I've really wanted to ask you is actually, um, in one of your interviews, you, you mentioned that presentation is a show and mm-hmm. to be a great presenter, you need to be great showman. Uh, I find it really, uh, interesting. And could you elaborate more on this? I'm curious to, to learn. Right. Um, so when I'm, when I'm working with startups on, helping them pitch to investors, whether it's one-on-one or whether it's in a group setting. I, I tell them this a lot. I tell them, um, you know, you have to be a, a showman or you know, a showwoman. Um, and that means you need to put on a show, right? When, whenever you're presenting, you need to show passion about what you're talking about. If you're just standing up on stage, you know, with no body language and monotone vo- uh, you know, voice, mm won't be interested in what you have to talk about when you speak on a subject of course you should be an expert on that subject and you should be knowledgeable but you should be passionate too um and you should try to make it interesting for the audience if you're just Mm. giving fast information that could be that it could be boring so Mm. i always tell them you know it's kind of a hidden little secret but you need to make it entertaining think of yourself as an actor um make people want to watch so when I give a lecture, mm-hmm. even when it's, like today I gave a three-hour lecture, I try to make it as fun as possible because I know it's hard to pay attention for that long. Yeah. And I want them to learn. I want them to be engaged. And I want them to, you know, enjoy themselves. So I try to add a little, um, you know, I, I use my voice. I use my body. I use humor just to make them pay more attention. Um, mm-hmm. And in a lecture setting, that's really important for them to learn. But in a business setting, people will pay more attention and they'll, you're more likable as well. And in business, yeah. you have to be likable. If you're someone people don't like, I mean, I'm sorry, but you're going to have less opportunities because, oh, yeah, do you want to work with this guy? No, nah, not really. I don't like him that much. So yeah. that's actually yeah, a really good point. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think being, having those kind of um, having showmanship is just really important, um, you know, for, for business success, for getting deals done, uh, being being just a likable person. It's kind of basic, really, but I, I do think it's important. Uh, I've seen so many presentations that are so boring, people are falling asleep, right? Or they mm. just check their phone because it's yeah. not interesting. No matter what you have to say, even if it's a serious subject, make it interesting. It doesn't mean you have to add jokes to a, a serious topic, but mm. you can at least make it interesting in, a, in another type of way. So it doesn't have mm. to be humorous, suspenseful. It could be... You know, it could just be the way you talk and the way you present yourself. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. Uh, presentation skill is very crucial. Like, not only in startup scene, just like in everyday life as well. Just uh, exactly. everything. I mean, um, as a leadership skill, you know, you have, to, yeah. you have to lead your, you know, your coworkers. If you're the leader of an organization, you need to be able to have those skills to present your vision to the company to, you know, if you're delegating tasks, you need to explain why you need to convince people. Yeah. Um, you need to, I, I find that I see that as a leadership skill um, mm. for any organization, really being a good presenter. Yeah. Presenting your vision. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. Two, well, yeah, two more questions and I'm going to let you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you have a life mantra? I know it's a big question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hmm. uh, life mantra. I, I don't really have some profound phrase. No, it's fine. Uh, but but I, like I said, I do believe in the power of relationships. 
Right. So I make it a mission to not only try and maintain the current relationships I have, but to also go out and meet new people, people who, people who know me that I'm, um, people who know me, they, they know I'm pretty active at networking and building relationships. Mm-hmm. So um, building relationships is not only valuable in our personal lives as human beings, but it's essential in business, mm-hmm. right? So this is, about it. this is how partnerships are made. Uh, this is how deals are done. It's all about the relationship you've built. And, and of course, you know, being kind and a decent person is all a part of that. So I guess I'll just say the, you know, uh, for me, building relationships and maintaining those relationships is kind of my mm-hmm. life mantra. Yeah. If that makes sense. It goes yeah. back to p- people and food again, right? Yeah, again. <laughs> like, I mean, like, it's so, like, it's so interesting because everything what you say is, like, I can I can probably, like, narrow down into a couple of, like, really strong keywords that you mentioned, like, people, a burger, <laughs> relationship, yeah. food. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, uh, fantastic. Okay. And I'm pretty so- sure, you know, if, if you asked any of my friends, they'd probably just say those same things. Oh, yeah, Jonathan loves food and he loves networking, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's just uh, yeah. But it's a it's a skill set, you know, because a lot of people don't really enjoy networking because it can be a, a bit scary, you know, because you 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 need to talk to strangers and then in a social setting there are so many people you feel awkward. Oh my gosh. And I still struggle with that sometimes, even even though I consider myself kind of a people person. Like again, I made myself that way. I you know, if you met mm. me 15 years ago, you know, I was so much a people person. I put myself in this situation to become a people person. Um, to you know, get more comfortable meeting new people. So with more experience, you just get more comfortable with it, right? It's like mm, any career. You, know, yeah. year, you don't know anything. But when, you know, after, when you do it for 15 years, you know, you you get better at it. So I think you have to actually work at this. This is Some people are natural, but most people are not. And I think you have mm. to put yourself in those uncomfortable situations to, you know, become good at networking. But like I said, this in business, it's so important to close deals, to, um, you know, build partnerships. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I got to go and network now. Okay. <laughs> Good to hear yeah. that. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, a uh, couple questions. So now you've been living in South Korea for 16 years and I've seen many people who want to move to South Korea, uh, you know, for their career or study or, you know, living here basically any any tips um and wisdom to share with with uh with them um so first of all make sure you're moving here for the right reason not from watching a k drama <laughs> um that would be number one um also realize if you're coming from a western country living in korea for a year or two is actually great you might really enjoy it living here long term can be a challenge um you know, because when when I'm coming from a again a Western country that promotes immigration, we're used to seeing so much diversity and things like this. Whereas in Korea, it's not like that. Um, this is a country where yes, there is an expat scene, mm. but one that you know your friends will be here and gone. Um, this is a country that will never quite be an immigration type of country, right? Mm. You're not going to see it, it's. The, the visa situation is difficult. You can you can get here, you can come here and work for a one, two, three years, but living here long term gets more and more difficult because this is not a country that gives out you know green cards and permanent residency yeah. to mm-hmm. as much as Western countries does uh, do. So you have to you know realize why you're coming. If you're coming here for a few years just for your career, great. But if this is a place you if you think you want to settle here. Mm. then you need to really question why because i i've seen comments from people um on certain social media groups saying okay i've never been to korea but i want to move there and live there for the rest of my life and i'm thinking that's a bit strange because you've never been there and Mm. you may not realize being a foreigner is not so easy here right Mm. because the way the way most koreans think of foreigners here is okay that's cool that you're here but when are you leaving it's always like (laughs) Yeah, when are you leaving? Because you're not expected to stay for so long. They're always mm. like, oh, so long. Don't you miss, you know, being back home? Because this is not 
historically an immigration country. No. So mm-hmm. you're always be wondering why you're here for so long. Um, and yeah, that's like. That's actually a good point because like, even for me, when I when I when I saw that you've been living in Korea for like sixteen years or so, like if it like if you were like in the U.S. or or in Canada, we people don't really question that much. Oh, okay, you moved to Canada, you moved to the U.S. It's been six years, sixteen years. But then like when I saw you been living in Korea for more than a decade, I was like, wow, why? I mean, this is so interesting. I didn't think in that way. Uh, because I'm Korean, because I didn't, I never knew uh, from that perspective. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, and so and then that, that's, that's very true. And another thing, you know, let's say you're Korean and you move to Canada and you live there for 10 years, right? And people mm-hmm. say, hey, where are you from? Yeah, you might say Korea, but I know a lot of K- Korean friends who they live in New York or Toronto for five years and they say, oh, I'm from, I'm from Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, some people do that because that's what I live now. Imagine if I were to say that. <laughs> I lived here 15 years. If I said I'm from Korea, people are going to think, well, obviously you're not. You're, right? You don't look like um, Korean. <laughs> so, it, yeah, exactly. Because, well, because these, these immigrate, immigration countries, you know, you don't have to look a certain way. You can mm. say, hey, I'm an American. Just, well, yeah, you're, you're American, of course. Um, so the culture is different. The history is different. So, you know, you have to, if you're coming here, you need to realize that and realize being coming from a different race, you know, you could have different challenges. Um, that could be anywhere really. But um, again, this is a place where, you know, there, there has its own challenges. And so I encourage you to research that on Google or on Facebook. There's lots of expat groups and you can kind of see what kind of challenges people face, mm. um, whether it's, you know, unfortunately there's going to be discrimination anywhere, um, anywhere in the world. Uh, but you need to be, be aware of those kinds of, of things. So you know what you're going to be dealing with. So um, I would say, look into those things. And also, you know, if you're moving here, look into things that are difficult to find because there might be conveniences that are easy to find in Germany or in Singapore or in the U S or in Mexico that are really difficult here. So be prepared that you have enough items, uh, you know, convenience items. Um, of course, Korea has everything to live, but if there's a certain shampoo you like or something, then yeah, yeah you might have to do that. Um, you know, um, you know, deodorant is something that many people complain about not finding yeah. very easily. In Korea. Yeah. Um, even though mm-hmm. you can find it nowadays, it, there's, it's limited, but yeah, I mean, there's, you know, your favorite toothpaste, all these kinds of things. Um, and, you know, there's so many people who don't like spicy food. I personally do. You know, being from Texas, it's kind of like a stereotype, but Texans love spicy food. Um, but, I mean, for me, coming to Korea was like, okay, it's not really spicy. It's just normal. Mm-hmm. But to other people, it can be quite difficult. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of my friends from Europe or South America are not used to eating uh, what they would consider spicy food this much. And so they have some struggles. So it depends on, um, you know. I encourage you to try some food um, locally before coming and see what you like. See if you like it. If you don't, that could be a problem, even mm-hmm. though you don't have to eat in Korea. There's everything. Everything's available. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for the uh, the great tips. Uh, really yeah. helpful. I'm oh, sure. And, one more thing. And clothes sizes. So if you are a large person. Oh, my person, God. That's so true. <laughs> right, so if you're, if you're large, either in height or in, in weight, you need to think about, um, you know, does Korea have the right sizes for you? Like there are, there are some places, but you know, you might want to think about, um, you know, bringing those clothes over, especially if you're big and tall, uh, those, you know, that, that can be, that can be different. I have friends who are, you know, seven feet tall. I mean like two meters wow. you know, and they, they, they struggle. I mean, a lot yeah. of them are bathroom, but yeah, they, they will have to order things online. Wow. You know, big feet as well. And that's hard to find shoes and mm. things like that. I, I don't have those problems because I still fit. You know, I'm not like super tall. I'm like 180 centimeters, which is like about 5'11". So I, I still fit like a typical Korean guy's kind of height and, mm. and everything. So I don't have to deal with that. I'm very thankful. But some people do have to think about those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good tip. Very good tip. <laughs> okay, last question. Um, so I ask this question to every guest on the podcast. So, um, yeah. what 
is your favorite book that you like to recommend to our listener? You're smiling now, so I'm curious your answer. Curious about your um, answer. <laughs> yeah, I I, I I feel so um, ashamed to say I haven't read a book in so long. Um, <laughs> a lot of people say that actually. Yeah, I mean because I I think reading is really important, and I think it's about you know we always need to be learning uh, uh, from you know reading other books. It's like I read a quote that I really like, and it was like, you know, people always ask you if you could have five minutes or if you could have one meal with anyone in the world, living or dead, who would you choose? Like, and people say, you know, oh, I would choose this person or this person. And this quote I read was basically saying reading books is basically like having time with that famous person, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you, if you read um, Ernest Hemingway and, mm-hmm. you know, if you just read Five of his books, it's it's like you're going to learn so much about him as a person just because through his writing. And I thought that's kind of interesting. So I feel like if you have a, a, a certain favorite author, reading their books is kind of letting you into their life and how they lived and what kind of person they were. Um, now, I again, I haven't read a book in quite some time. I, I do read like summaries, um, you know, or, you know, Google certain things, little recaps. Um, there are certain applications Actually, I, there's an app I downloaded, and I have a subscription to it. I'm not sure if I've started it yet. What is it called? Um, but basically, they you have to pay, and they will, um, you know, give you a short recap of that book. I can't find it right this second, but um, it's 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 famous, so you know, people mm-hmm. definitely will know about it if they search online. Blink is it? Is it? Sorry, Blinkist is one of them, but I yeah, don't think yeah, it's Blink- that. yeah, that's what I remember. There's Blinkist, but there's another one, and I've got it opened in one of my many, many tabs I have on my phone. <laughs> um, so we'll see if I get to it in the next couple of seconds. But anyway, I do have lots of books on my reading list that I haven't started reading yet, right? So, uh, there's a lot of books are, that people around me have recommended, and mm-hmm. I have been meaning to read them i just haven't yet uh but one of them is uh, sapiens and a lot of my again a lot oh. of things i've read it and I, I actually have a copy of the book i haven't really you know got into it um the other one that everyone seems to recommend and i do have a copy also i just haven't read it yet is the subtle art of not giving a those are a couple that a lot of people around me have uh, been reading and they've, and they've really enjoyed it. So it's all about, you know, work-life balance and the history of humankind. Um, and I like both of those things. So I, that's why I probably have them. I just, when I have a few free moments, I should be reading a book, but you know, like most people, when I have a few minutes, I'm like, I'm going to watch a video on YouTube or I'm going to watch, you know, Star Wars on Disney plus or, or whatever it is, Netflix. So I, uh, I need to really start reading a book so those are two i will recommend i just haven't read them (laughs) (laughs) i'm recommending them without without reading them just because of the people around me who i trust yeah exactly i mean sapiens that book is huge and i haven't read it yet i mean like it's a yeah Um, it's a huge well actually no i i take that back i actually have read books more recently that i just forgot oh not not super recently, but you know, yeah, somewhat. Yeah. So in the start, if you want to learn about the startup scene, I'm not going to go into the details. But if you want to learn about startups, um, the Lean Startup by Eric Ries is is really popular. It's considered kind of startup. like a startup bible. The Lean Startup. Uh, another one is Zero to One, which is by Peter Thiel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's a German American guy who you know he was a founder or an early investor in Facebook and. And PayPal, and he he worked with Elon Musk. He's um, you know, it's all about getting your startup from zero to one. Um, TechStars, which is one of the accelerators that I work with as a mentor, they've got a couple good books. Uh, the famous one is Do More Faster. Oh, you know, it's all about how to accelerate your startup. And um, what else? There's you know, Harvard Business Review. They have a lot of summaries on books, and oh. I would really recommend those as well. Like. They have one called the 10 must reads on entrepreneurship and startups. And oh, it's just a summary. That's of, a good one. A summary of 10 different ones. And they talk about a little bit of all these different books. So um, I guess I would, um, I would, I would recommend those. 
Wow. Well, thank you. Wow. <laughs> We've got two books to, to read, and then there are lots of books that you've read, and then Harvard Business, Harvard Business Review. Oh, that's a really right. good one. I'll check that out. It's well. weird because when you ask me what books I've read, I'm, th- I'm thinking for some reason it's got to be fiction or nonfiction, and I totally forgot. Yeah. Well, I read startup stuff, but I don't consider it a book because yeah, I, I, uh-huh. I read it. I, I might read it online or like on my phone or something, mm. but it actually is it is a book. Mm. So uh, yeah. Mm. Anyway, cool. but thanks for all these questions. I mean, those are, um, I can tell you thought you prepared a lot. I can tell. By <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, like, you know, I could spend another hour to talk about so many things, but, uh, <laughs> I know you're very busy. I let you go, but, um, I, I truly enjoyed our conversation. I'm like so inspired. Um, yeah, now I want to, yeah. I mean, like, as I said, like your, your, your story is really inspiring. I think, um, you know, you, your story will inspire a lot of people, especially who want to do startup or who, who are, you know, doing startup now and then looking to, especially looking to go global and, uh, pitching and stuff like that, uh, presentation skills. I mean, like, uh, yeah, all the great stuff. And then thanks so much for sharing. Thanks for asking. I mean, you know, I, mean, I don't know if it's going to help many people, but if it does, that's that makes me feel good. So, um, yeah, uh, I'm glad to I'm honored to, you know, talk about this and hopefully uh, answer some questions for people interested in startups or interested in Korea. So, yeah, thanks. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Thank you for joining us this week. Hope you learned something new from this episode and now you are motivated and fired up to make your dream come true. Make sure to share with others who might need to listen to this podcast because this is something they needed to listen to to be inspired. We never know. Lastly, be sure to subscribe and follow Self Made Express with Lucy John on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And I will talk to you very soon. Thanks for being here.